0: We love, we love testimonies here in this church. I, I you know, Testimony is an incredibly important part of who we are as the body of Christ. It's not just a, a grace house thing, but it's an incredibly important part of, of who we are as God's people, is that we're people of testimony. We're people of testimony. If you think about it, if you think about um, the fact that the reason why most of you are here this morning, the reason why those of you who are trusting in Jesus Christ, are believers in Jesus Christ this morning, it's because somebody shared the testimony of Jesus Christ with you at some stage in your life and for some reason you believed them. They told you about Jesus and you believed them. Maybe, maybe it wasn't somebody in person, but maybe, maybe it was somebody you were just opening up the Scriptures and for whatever reason, the Scriptures came alive to you in that moment, and you believed them. We, you know, when we read the Gospels, you, you know, we're not just reading a, a, a Christian textbook. When we read the Gospels, we're actually reading the testimony of what, of what the first disciples of Jesus, what the first followers of Jesus, what they saw, what they heard, what they learned about what God was doing in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And this is merely their way of, of recording it and giving it to us and saying, hey, here is what God has done in our midst. Here is what he is doing. Here is what God has done at the cross. He has brought salvation to us through the cross. Here is our testimony. In fact, it's so important, the value of testimony in the life of the church. Can we can we turn this down just a little bit? I'm getting so much feedback in the fallbacks, I think. Um It's so important and valuable to life and testimony of the church that, for instance, in 1 John, 1 John, when he's writing to this church, which I suspect has just gone through a massive church split, um, he writes to them and his opening lines to them. He's like, let me remind you of what we heard and what we saw. Here's what we learned. God is light. And he begins to tell them again the things that they had heard before. Tell them again. Tell them afresh about God's goodness, about God's love for them. Testimony is incredibly important to us in the life of the church, as the life of faithful believers. And so we are a community that's built on testimony. Testimony has the ability to stir up the heart. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. I know I have had that experience where you have somebody stand up here and they, and they tell you what God has done in their life, and it's an encouragement to your heart. Have you experienced this? It's an amazing thing. Actually, um, Ron, could, could we get that, that uh, Facebook post? So this, this is something that's happening. I screenshotted it this, this morning. This is something that's happening right now over in the States, at uh, Asbury, um, Asbury Seminary. He says, tonight's picture, a prayer in Asbury U Chapel, still going after 60 hours. They experienced revivals in the 50s and the 70s, and people have been praying for decades for it again. Don't grow weary in your praying. Now, I see some people question, oh, is this revival? Is Look, we've, we've held regular prayer meetings in this church for seven years, Like 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 we we've run regular prayer meetings for like seven years. I can tell you, at no point has it felt like it could just go for 60 hours. (laughs) So if you want to classify that as revival or not, it's still an amazing thing that God is doing in it right now. Right now, this is happening. God is moving. God is moving even now as we speak. You know, oftentimes it's so difficult, especially here in Australia, to hold out hope that things like that would happen here. But we want to pray, we want to seek God that He would do those same things here that His Spirit would come, that His presence would come in such a way that a 60-hour, 120-hour, four- or five-week-long prayer meetings would not seem that far-fetched. I yes, what? Exactly, exactly. Let me, let me tell you a story. I remember, this was years ago now. I'd been a Christian for maybe three years. And um, <clears throat> now... I had amazing experiences with the Lord, amazing times of worship, definitely enjoyed prayer. But every time I'd hear a preacher hear, every time I'd hear someone talk about how, every I'd hear someone talk about how, oh, you know, well, when we get to heaven, we'll just be gathered around the throne for all eternity, just singing his praises. I'm like, look, I enjoy worship. But I think maybe I'll get bored. <laughs> I, I, are any of you willing to admit to those kinds of thoughts, those unsanctified, unholy thoughts? How dare you? But in the weakness of our flesh, that's that's the kind of things we think. But I've had this experience one time, and, I, and this is years ago now, and I wouldn't say that I've ever really been slain in the Spirit or, 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 or fallen down under the power or anything. I, I just never had that experience. But I had this experience one time where I was doing the dishes at a church, and, um, and I just had some worship music playing on my phone, and all of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit just like snuck up on me and like jumped me, and, um, and it was just like all of a sudden, His presence just came over me like so powerfully, and I started to panic because I knew I wasn't going to be able to hold it together, um, and, and so I quickly ran into one of the side rooms, and I just laid on my face for like 45 minutes weeping and crying and saying, holy, holy, holy. And it was the only thing I could think to say. And I can tell you this, as much as it feels like every prayer meeting feels like, you know, eking out an hour or an hour and a half feels like, in that moment, in the midst of his presence, I understood, I understood, oh, I really could do this forever. I really could do this forever. In the midst of his presence, it completely changes our perception. It changes how we perceive things and and how we approach things. This is why testimony is so important. I want to encourage you that God is doing these things still in the earth. He can do them here in Australia. I know Australia feels like such a hard land, feels like you're gonna go dig up concrete with a shovel. But God, we have heard of your mighty deeds. We've heard of great things that you've done in the past. And we ask that you would do them again here and now. Amen. Amen. So testimony is really important. So I want to add into our collective consciousnesses here this morning, into into our thoughts and our, our hearts here this morning, I want to add to... The, the stack of testimonies. I want to add the stack of testimonies of David. And so um, I want you to open up to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. This is a very well-known psalm. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. It's one that, that people often learn as their memory verses. Um, and it's a beautiful psalm. And, and it's been used by Christians, and, you know, and Jews for centuries now to meditate on. And the reality is that this is its not just a psalm. It's not just a, a song for people to sing. It's not just a great poem. But this is this is David's testimony. This is David's testimony in psalm form, in poetic form. And so I want us to just meditate on Psalm 23 this morning. So we're, first thing we're going to do is we're going to read it together. We're going to read it together. And... And then we're going to meditate through it together. And so um, if you've got your Bibles open to Psalm 23, if you don't have your Bibles with you, it should be on the screen. But um, how about we have a go at this? We don't often do this, but let's, let's read it together as we go. All right, I'll start so you can kind of pick up the tempo and try and stay on track, okay? Don't fall too far behind or get too far ahead. We'll all try and do it together. All right, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Thank you. Thank you for reading that with me. It, it, um, it just it just kind of hits different when when the congregation reads it together. It's beautiful. So let's let's begin our meditation here on Psalm 23. David opens up his psalm here. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I have what I need. He opens his psalm with this declaration of who God is and his relationship to the Lord. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. Well, what does it mean that he is a shepherd? Well, well, one of the things it means he's a shepherd, is that, is that he actually cares for his sheep. You see, the Scriptures uh, will use this analogy of God being a shepherd of his people, one who cares for and, per, uh, and takes care of his people. And there's times when the Scriptures will also contrast that with the role of what they call a hireling. Um, and the difference between the two is the shepherd, he's the one that owns the sheep they're his sheep. He has a vested interest in the health, well-being, and care of those sheep. Whereas a hireling, they're just there to do a job. Their benefit is purely sitting around, making sure that they've got their day's work done, and their actual care for the sheep is negligible. They're just there to get paid. And so we know that when when, when, when a lion comes or a bear, whatever it is, the hireling runs away in fear. Whereas the shepherd because he has a vested interest in his sheep, stays and he fights and he defends his sheep. And this is who David declares the Lord to be in his life here at the outset, that the Lord is his shepherd and he is a good shepherd. A good shepherd isn't negligent and no animal under his care needs to worry because they know they have one who cares for their well-being even better than they can. Sheep after all, are very silly animals. Um, watching this docu-series um, called Clarkson's Farm at the moment, and, um, and it's uh, Jeremy Clarkson, the guy from Top Gear. Anyway, so with all the money he made from that, he went and bought a big old farm in, um, in England. And uh, it's basically just him trying to learn how to be a farmer. Um, and uh, in, in like sort of Top Gear fashion, so he buys a, a big Lamborghini tractor. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, it turns out to be too big for a lot of the things he actually needs to do with it. And all. Anyways, um, but one of his great ideas is that he's going to get a bunch of sheep. He's going to get a bunch of sheep and put them in a paddock, and they're going to make him a lot of money. And um, the thing that Jeremy learns about sheep is that they're not very smart animals. Um, they often get themselves into trouble. Um, they don't make wise decisions, and sometimes they just die. Um, <clears throat> sheep need a lot of skill and care to maintain, um, and anyways, in this, in this series, Jeremy Clarkson learns the hard way that he does not yet have that skill um, <laughs> to maintain them. Um, but this is what David does. He postures himself as the sheep. He recognizes this is who I am. I am the one who is weak. I am the one who often goes astray. I am the one who is in need of care. I'm the one who is in need of a shepherd. And thank the Lord that he is my shepherd and he is a good shepherd. And this, is how, this is how David postures himself. And, and this is how I would, I, would, I would encourage you to actually posture yourself before the Lord. He is your shepherd. He does want to care for but you need to recognize that you have a lot of weaknesses that you're bringing to the table. And so there's a lot of things that you want to be able to take to the Lord and entrust to the Lord that he will care for you, that he will be the one to lead you and to guide you because he is the good shepherd. He goes on to say, I have what I need. Now, this is contingent upon his first statement. That the Lord is his shepherd. And David's conclusion that because the Lord is his shepherd, he has what he needs. Now, does that mean that David was always walking around in brand new clothes? Driving luxury vehicles or luxury camels or whatever they rode back then? Oftentimes, Oftentimes, Christians struggle God's people struggle because we have an idea about what we need. We have an idea about what we think we need. And God has a completely different idea about what we actually need. So this is, this is David's opening declaration, that the Lord is his shepherd, and because he's my shepherd, I have what I need. Now, the rest of the psalm is going to be a reflection. It's going to be a reflection on that theme. And in order to help us reflect on, on this scripture, um, we, we want to have a look at, at the, the structure of, the actual structure of the psalm. Now, I don't want to get too much into technical details, only that it helps us to actually meditate on this psalm to understand what the psalmist is actually doing. And so this, this poem, this, this psalm is actually set up in, and structured in what's called a chiasm. Now, I don't expect you to remember that word, um, but this is a Jewish literary technique. This is what, the way they would often try and convey meaning in what they wrote: is structuring things in a very deliberate and reflective pattern. And unlike us, we tend to put like the climax of our point right at the end. You know, we tend to like really like to build and you know until our final point. But in in Jewish thought, in Jewish literary uh, fashion, they would often put the main thrust of of their argument here in the middle. And so as we walk through this, I just want to keep this in mind that that these are corresponding points. So A corresponds to A, B corresponds to B, and I haven't put the whole verse there because I wanted you to actually be able to read what is there. Um, And so verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need, corresponds to verse 6 only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. He lets me lie down in green pastures. That corresponds to you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. And the idea is is not that you're meant to read it like I just read it there. The idea is that as you take up one idea, you then take up the other idea. And as you think about the differences between the two, as you meditate on both ideas together, it brings revelation. It brings illumination to what it is God is speaking in and through this psalm. A bit technical, but does that make something of sense? Good? All right. Awesome. <clears throat> I, I, was, um, I was a bit worried about that because I'm often bad at explaining the technical things. Um, and i really actually just want you to enjoy reading scripture without feeling like you're just constantly in over your head and let me just encourage you if if you if you feel like that just enjoy reading scripture begin reading begin reading ask holy spirit what do you want to speak to me through your word today and just begin reading and see what he highlights and see what he begins speaking to your heart but i want to anyways i want to i want to highlight three themes here in this psalm and we'll walk through them um, so the first theme I, w- I want to highlight here is the theme of provision. You see, David, David begins and he says, because the Lord is my shepherd, he says, he lets me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. It, it's, it's almost like he's reflecting upon, re- reflecting upon where his life began as a shepherd boy. That in, the very, in, in the very beginning there, in the beginning of his life, the Lord was his shepherd and, and his, the Lord led him into green pastures and distilled waters. He took care of him. He provided for his needs, even in that place. But then he also reflects, he also reflects, and he talks about how in in verse 5, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. You see, He also has this other thing is oftentimes we want to believe we want to believe that, well, when everything is going good, it's because God is taking care of me. And that's good. That's good. But David also wants us to understand that even when you are in the midst of a raging battle, even when you're in the midst of your enemies. He is there providing for you as well. And this was David's experience as a young shepherd boy he would take care of his flock and he would be led to green pastures he would be led to still waters for his flock and god would care for him and nourish him even in through those things and we know david's story that as his life goes on there's many times when he was on the run there's many times when his enemies were pursuing him there's many times in his life when he had enemies who were surrounding him plotting for his downfall trying to kill him trying to dethrone him and david's reflection david's reflection upon all of this is that there you are, my good shepherd, preparing a table for me in the midst of my enemies. You anoint my head, my cup overflows. In the good times and in the bad, David's testimony is that God provides, is that God provides. The second theme I want to draw out of this is the theme of restoration and salvation. In verse 3 he says he renews my life. He renews my life. Other translations will say he restores my soul. You know it's a beautiful thing when you're going through a hard season and And you're going through a tiring season. And you simply just get alone with the Lord. And, you, and all of a sudden, you just feel your heart being refreshed. You feel yourself being refreshed. You feel that burden lifting. You feel, you feel God's presence coming alongside you. This is David's testimony. Is that He renews my soul. And Christians down through the last 2,000 years of church history, this has been their testimony that God renews their soul. Not only in, this, in the sense of salvation through the cross, but in the, in the sense of this ongoing walking relationship where he cares for us. He, he, he picks us up. And this is a good thing. But let's now look at the reflective statement in verse, um, in verse four. He says, your rod and your staff, they are comfort to me. <clears throat> you know, so often we want the renewal of life. <laughs> we want him to restore our soul and to bring peace back to our hearts. But in David's experience... In David's experience, sometimes that is going to come through correction and discipline. Sometimes that is going to come through correction and discipline. Nobody likes that. In fact, in fact, the, the author of Hebrews will say, um, when, he, when he's writing to the church, he says, endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. You see, David's reflection is that in God's restoring and renewing of our souls, oftentimes that's going to come through a rod of discipline. And that's not to mean that God is harsh or heavy-handed, but there are times in our lives, there's times in our lives when God needs to give us a course correct, when there's things, when there's sin in our lives, that God needs to expose it and say, this is an issue and it needs to change. Let me straighten your heart. Let me change this. Let me wash you clean. Let me remove this sin from your life. And, and I can tell you from experience that in the process and in the moment when God is doing that, it does not feel good. It never feels good to be disciplined. It never feels good to be corrected. Your ego and your flesh hate it. But remember, God's a good shepherd. And so David's reflection on this is that in his renewing and restoring of my soul, his rod and his staff, rather than being something that I fear, it actually has become a comfort for me. It has become a comfort for me when God brings correction and discipline to my life. Because he's bringing about sanctification. He's bringing about wholeness and restoration to our lives. The third theme I want to reflect on in this passage is the theme of leading and guiding. You know, it occurs to me that the first half of the psalm I think most people really can get on board with because it's like all the good stuff. But it's the second half of the psalm where you're forced to deal with the realities of life, and we don't want to deal with the realities of life oftentimes. And this this one is, this, this, this theme is no different. He says, um, he says, he leads me along the right paths, or other translations say, he leads me into righteous paths. And we all want that from the Lord, don't we? We all want Him to be leading us and to guide us. We all want Him to be showing us how to, how to live righteously and to do what is right. He wants, we want Him to lead us into the right things for us, wherever that may be. And we say that, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. But then the reflective statement is, even when I go through the darkest valleys or even when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, that's far more impactful. I prefer the older translation. Even when I go through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, I wanted the right path. I wanted the righteous path. I wanted to be led by the Lord. Lord, speak to me. I'll go to the ends of the earth for you. I will do whatever it is you want me to do. Just speak to me. Well, Oftentimes, when the Lord speaks, and oftentimes, when the Lord leads, sometimes, you've got to walk through Death Valley. You've got to walk through the darkest valley. Oftentimes, the righteous path will lead through that dark valley. But what's David's testimony? Is that he leads and he guides like a good shepherd does. And sometimes he takes us through dark valleys. But that's okay, because I know my shepherd is with me. Because I know my shepherd, his rod and his staff, I know his voice. And so I can trust him to lead me through this whole situation. And at the center of this poem... At the center of this poem, we have this line. It says, for his name's sake. For his name's sake. This This is the central point that David wants us to reflect on. This is a central point of what David wants to give us. Why? Why is God a good shepherd to us? Why Does he love his sheep so well? Why does he provide for all their needs? Well, David's reflection is actually for his name's sake. It's so that his name would be known as good. So that his sheep, his people, would know that he is good. That they would revere his name. That they would love his name. That they would love the God who cares for them like sheep. Despite all of our wanderings. Despite all of our weakness. Despite all of our silliness and distractions and, and sin. Despite all of this. He loves us. And he comes for us. He's the one who leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And celebrates with great joy when he finds us and it's for his namesake he wants us to know this about himself that we would honor him that we would love him that we would know this about his name and not just for us not just for us but so that others would know as well so that others would know as well that others would see your walk with the lord others would see God's grace on your life and they via that testimony would begin to honor the Lord's name as well they would begin to see that God is actually good this is Paul's reflection in Romans God's goodness is what leads people to repentance and God wants to give you that testimony God wants to give you that testimony of His goodness and His grace. In fact, that's where David's conclusions lead. So we started in verse 1, where David declares that the Lord is my shepherd, so I have what I need. And his conclusion, his reflective statement upon this, after all is said and done, here's David's conclusion, that because the Lord is my shepherd, only goodness... And faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. This is David's testimony of the goodness of God in his life. This is not just a a great psalm for us to reflect on. It's not just... A good bit of poetry. It's not just something to give you comfort. It's David's testimony that this is who God is. This is who he has experienced God to be over the course of his life. That he is a good shepherd. That he loves his flock. That he provides. That he protects. That he cares. He leads and he guides. And he restores our souls. So what does this what does this mean for you? Well, <clears throat> something that I feel like the Lord, Lord is speaking to us. And one of the things I feel like God constantly has to remind his church, especially in our present day and age where we want everything now. I want everything. This is not just, I'm not putting this on you. I want everything now. Lord, how long? You know, like Lord, you say you're gonna do the you know, I've waited a week, you know. God, you know, I know it says you're not slow as some people count slowness. You know, you say you're coming soon. We have very different definitions of how this word should be used. I recognize that for many of us, we've been in long, what feels like long seasons of potentially weariness, pain, hurt. Heartache, trouble. Some of you have been in really great seasons, and praise God for those seasons. But David's testimony is not, is not a quick fix testimony. God is not a good shepherd yesterday because you got to pay your bills. I mean, He is. But that's just because He came through yesterday, that's not the only reason why He's a good shepherd. He's not only a good shepherd in the moment he comes through to you. He's a good shepherd the whole way along. And David's testimony here of his goodness, of his grace, of his love is a testimony that has been cultivated and experienced and seen over a lifetime. Over a lifetime. I've only been walking with the Lord for going on 19 years now, almost 20. Um, I feel very old in the Lord. Um, some of some of the um, other people in the room uh, are looking at me going <laughs> "I feel old in the Lord." <laughs> Nearly twenty years. Come on. <laughs> I always, I always love um, talking to Don and Lillian. Because um, I'm like, oh, you know, when we, we came out of the J-dubs and, you know, you know, Holland Park Baptist was in renewal and all these sorts of things. And Oh, you remember that song? You remember that song that was really popular at the time? I was like, I don't. <laughs> I, the only, I remember the year you guys came out of the J-dubs. Why? Because it was the year I was born. Um <laughs> And I want to encourage you here this morning in your weariness. I want to encourage you, perhaps in the midst of your fatigue. Maybe you feel like you're in the middle of, you have enemies surrounding you. I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't lose hope. God is going to come through. God is going to provide. God is going to care for you far better than you're capable of caring for yourself i know i know for me it, you know if, if something happens like, oh god i i need i need you to come through and and i've always i've always got a plan god if you could just do a b and c we could get this whole situation sorted quick smart but what I, what i've had to learn is that god's like i could do a b and c then, you know, D, E, and F would happen, and you didn't think about that, did you? And then, <laughs> and so what I've had to learn to do over the, over the years is actually take a step back and go, Lord, you are my shepherd. I'm not yours. <laughs> I'm the sheep here. <laughs> You're the shepherd. And so, and I don't do this very well, what is it that you want me to do? Do you want me to wait? you want me to go? Lord, you show me. And my experience, as short as it may be, of walking with the Lord, is that given enough time, given enough time, you get to actually see God's faithfulness at work. It's not that he only started being faithful the moment you noticed it. But given enough time, you too can have this testimony that David has over the course of his life that God has been a good shepherd to him. And I trust that he has been a good shepherd to you and he will bring you through even the darkest valley. And so I'm going to invite the worship team back. I'd love if you're able, if you could stand, we're going to pray. Lord, we thank you that you are our good shepherd. Oh, God, I pray for our hearts that we would be able to accept and adopt a posture of sheep. I pray you would help us to be reliant upon your voice. I pray you would help us to be reliant upon your provision, for your leading, for your guiding. And maybe, God, I'm just projecting here, but, Lord, I pray for our hearts that we would stop trying to make our own ways and that we would be content with your leading and your guiding, that we would be content with what you think is best for us. Holy Spirit, I ask you to be cultivating humility in our hearts. I pray you'd be depositing fresh hope and fresh joy. I pray in this moment, Holy Spirit, that you would be restoring souls. You'd be restoring hearts. that you'd be renewing life within our bones. Lord, let us look with hopeful expectation for joy to come in the morning.